Access Division 33, the official podcast of Division 33 of the American Psychological Association, a group of professionals dedicated to science and practice in the area of intellectual and developmental disabilities and autism spectrum disorder. In each episode, we'll speak with a different member of our division, discussing their work and why it's important to the lives of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities and those who support them. Hello, and welcome to Access Division 33. I'm Dr. Jason Baker, a member of Division 33, and your host for today. Today, we'll be talking about prader willi syndrome with Dr. David Michalik. Dr. Michalik is a child clinical psychologist at the Nationwide Children's Hospital Child Development Center and a clinical associate professor of pediatrics at the Ohio State University College of Medicine. He also serves as the clinical director of the Child Development Center and provides evaluation, consultation, and treatment for children suspected of having autism spectrum disorder or intellectual and developmental disabilities. Dr. Michalik is also a psychologist for the multidisciplinary prader willi team at Nationwide Children's Hospital. All right, welcome, Dr. Michalik. Thanks, thanks, Dr. Baker, for having me here. I appreciate it. All right, and you are from Nationwide Children's Hospital? Correct. I'm a cl- clinical psychologist at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about a genetic syndrome that I'm pretty familiar with called Prader-Willi syndrome. Uh, at Nationwide Children's Hospital, we're pretty fortunate to have a unique group of professionals that um, meet to work with families who have children with Prader-Willi syndrome. Now, I have to give some shout out to my colleagues. They encompass uh, nursing, endocrinology, genetics, child neurology, dietetics, social work, and then I'm the psychologist on the team. Wow. Yeah, so our group is um, a great group to work with, and it's, the clinic's been in um, action for probably a good 10 years, uh, and we see approximately 40 to 50 kids um, from the Midwest, but also children from other states. Um, some families come pretty far to get services from us. Awesome. So you want to tell us a little bit about um, what Prader-Willi is? Sure. Prader-Willi syndrome is a rare genetic syndrome. Um, It is caused by a loss in function of genes on a particular region of the 15th chromosome. Um, No one knows the exact number of how many individuals have Prader-Willi syndrome, but the estimates run between 1 and 10,000 to 30,000 individuals affected. Um, It is a syndrome that is often picked up very early in life, so we can get a diagnosis accurately through genetic testing um, from a child within a few days to maybe even a week of being born. There are some telltale signs when they're born, the first of which is hypotonia, which means low muscle tone. So these are uh, uh, young, young children who are very weak, very floppy, have real trouble um, latching on and nursing. And that often triggers a, a consult with genetics, and then a geneticist can do the right type of testing to make a diagnosis um, at an early age. It doesn't always happen, but many times it does. And we like it when that happens early so we can start to see them in our clinic, as well as get interventions rolling. And why are interventions necessary for Prader? So, um, good question. Children with Prader-Willi syndrome and adults with Prader-Willi syndrome um, all have some level of developmental disability, developmental delay. Uh, the research suggests that IQ scores range in about the borderline range with some learning disabilities to mild to moderate intellectual disability. I found that to be true in the children um, that I have been able to assess at Nationwide Children's. When we give them formalized IQ assessments, that generally uh, plays out to be accurate. Um, the families who are really successful in terms of the developmental and behavioral characteristics of Prader-Willi get started early with intervention. So we have families that are um, working with early intervention services in Ohio, as well as 
allied therapies like physical therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy. And I can tell you that the families who are doing the therapy early, their outcomes are really um, excellent outcomes for those kids. Um, behaviorally, um, there are some challenges raising, raising a child prior to Willie besides the developmental delays and the intellectual delays. Um, primary, a lot of kids with prior to Willie can be rather uh, stubborn. Um, they can uh, suffer from some anxiety that looks more obsessive. Uh, there is some research to suggest that some individuals with prior to Willie have symptoms that overlap very strongly with autism spectrum disorder. I found that to be true in our clinic population. There are a handful of children that actually meet criteria for autism spectrum disorder as well as Prader-Willi syndrome. Um, and that another behavioral characteristic that is a challenge is some individuals with PWS, which it's commonly known as, um, engage in skin picking uh, behavior. So they get a little cut, um, they really will pick at it. It can cause bleeding and injury to the skin. And so that can be a challenge for a family. Um, I'd say th those are certainly be developmental behavioral concerns. The main concern that the, the average listener may have heard of is the insatiable appetite that kids with PWS have. So at about age three and up, although it varies for every individual, um, children with Prader-Willi syndrome don't feel full or satiated. So if food is left out or available, they will eat it typically. Um, so what we've seen for families that have been successful is they really control the access to food in their environment. That typically means locking refrigerators, locking cabinets, um, teaching siblings or grandma or aunts and uncles or close friends to leave food up and out of reach. So if food is available um, and the child has access, um, they're more likely, I mean, it's never 100%, but they're more likely to go for it and eat it. Um, there have been stories of kids in the clinic who have eaten um, um, pancake mix, flour. Um, some, some, sadly, have um, gone to find pieces of food that are in the trash can that is just sitting there, and um, you don't think about that. Um, so the families that are really successful who have children with prader willi syndrome who are very healthy in their weight, who are right on target on the growth curve, um, have made tough decisions, but have made the right decisions to make access to food um, um, more controlled in their environments. The challenge, though, is when kids go to school, the, parent, fam the family obviously can't control that environment 100%. So we at the clinic, m myself and the social work colleague I have, spent a lot of time helping families deal with schools, mm. making sure that schools think differently about how food is in the classroom or even at the secretary's desk who has a bowl of candy. Um, that needs to be thought of differently for the child with Prader-Willi syndrome. So it sounds like the major focus for families is on food and, and control of the food. You also mentioned you work with a multidisciplinary team, mm -hmm. um, so that also involves behavioral treatments, um, any other? Yes, aspects? yes, um, good question. So uh, the endocrinology team is working on growth hormone. So every child with Prader-Willi, we want them to start growth hormone very early. That has some strong research uh, basis that it is very effective in helping children stay healthy and improving their development. Um, the dietitian on our team works with a calorie plan for the day, uh, um, which is something that has to persist the long haul, of course. Um, my work with them would be teaching families uh, a lot about parent management with their ch children having sometimes challenging behavior, ways to reduce anxiety, ways to promote social interaction. Um, 
some kids can get um, can have some um, significant, we'll say, meltdowns or tantrums. Sure. Uh, again, if they know the food is in the closet and, and grandma won't let them have it, but grandma used to let them have it, but now she's not, the tantrum uh, happens and they come to me with um, asking for what do I do when my child's in the midst of a tantrum to get the candy that's in the closet that I know they shouldn't have. Um, so those are the types of services and types of interventions that we'll do there. And, and I would also say this too, a lot of my work too is a really a lot of family support. So having a child with a rare genetic syndrome, as you can imagine, is a shock to a family, and um, it can it, it can uh, turn a family upside down, um, but it can also really pull a family together like um, glue, and I have seen that really happen many times, fortunately, for, for families. That's great. So so we've seen good family outcomes. What kind of outcomes have you seen for some of the, the kids that you've treated? Good, good question. Um, the neat thing about being in this clinic is you get to see children grow and develop over time, and you really get to know their families quite quite uh, closely. Um, some of our uh, uh, individuals are now young adults, and some are in early adulthood. Um, some really great, great um, outcomes, um, as we always strive for the best outcomes. Um, uh, I have a several individuals I can think of who are in uh, job training or uh, um, community colleges settings mm-hmm. who are doing very well, um, training to be animal technicians, for example. Um, another is has been very successful in working with horses, and she is very involved with a local group that does a horse training for individuals with disabilities, and that is that is her thing, 100%. Um, and then a really neat story learned about just recently is one of our individuals, um, a young man, has just gotten engaged. So uh, as really neat, to, his family shared that with us at last visit. So we're very proud of him. Very good. Very nice. All right. Well, thank you for doing this work and thanks for doing the podcast. Great. Thanks for the invitation and um, looking forward to maybe doing more soon. Please tune into our next episode when we interview another leader in the field of IDD and ASD research. If you'd like to suggest a topic for a future episode, please visit our Division 33 website at www.division33.org and use our contact page with the subject line, Podcast. To all those professionals working with children and families, thank you for the work you do. And to those individuals with IDD and ASD, and those who support them, we're here to help.